Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Listen all you New Yorkers. Taxi. This is the 77 WABC minicast. Well, it's Sunday morning, and every Sunday morning we wonder what the heck is going on up in the skies. And with us today is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky. Steve, what's going on this week? Well, good morning, John. Good to be back on the Cats Roundtable with you and the listeners. We begin with space, and Elon Musk's genius comes front and center here. Get a load of this. The most massive rocket ever launched into space called Starship. We're going to hopefully get set for what's called IFT-2. It stands for Integrated Flight Test 2. In simpler words, it means the second test of the world's most powerful rocket. But the launch window actually opens up as early as this week, on November the 13th. We'll have to keep you posted. But this Is that the one with the 33 rockets attached to it? Yes, John. It is the 33 Raptor engines, which are an incredible amount of technology. But he's had some delays here because the launch pad was kind of blown to pieces. And, of course, the government review by the FAA and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has gotten involved. So once they get all these approvals, they'll be back. But here's some of the problem they had, John. They have to rebuild that whole launch pad because now they have what's considered a water-covered flame deflection pit. What's that in simple English? It means that before he didn't have a water system in there to kind of abate or slow down some of the rocket blast. So it blew chunks of concrete out there. And they've improved, at least they're saying, I think they have it, called thrust vector controls, which is better control of those, you know, Raptor engines. Last time we had three failed and a few other failed. But just to put it in perspective, John, this rocket is 397 feet tall. Imagine something weighing 11 million pounds. It's two stages. And it puts out, at least they're saying, 16 million pounds of thrust, hoping to do someday 20 million. Compare that to the Saturn V, which had 7.5 million pounds of thrust. This is amazing. It almost seems like science fiction. Isn't this just incredible? We live in great space times. This is fascinating. Well, did they get through the problem they had? Because all 33 engines have to go off at the same time. And to me, they lost like five or six of them last time where they had to abort. Yes, they had the problems with three, but then they're also saying, if you look at some of the video footage, that some of them had not just a problem of lighting. They had a problem where they're vectoring. In other words, instead of having the rocket motors just stay straight, those you know cones, the bezels on the bottom, they need to do a little bit of what they call gimbling back and forth. Some of that didn't work properly. So you see the big rocket getting up there about you know 24 miles, and all of a sudden she starts to spin, so they push the abort button. But that looks like, at least that's what they're telling us, uh, you know, these liquid methane rockets, these Raptors are quite great technology, but that's a hell of a lot of rocket motors, don't you think? I mean, that's incredible. That, that's, to me, that's too many, and with 25, you're depending on them, all 25 to go on. I wonder if there's a loss factor that's acceptable. 
Don't know, but I'll tell you this much. This is not modeled right after Russia's failed rocket, not, not to knock Elon. These the people have some pretty good you know, rocket scientists to go down there. But the problem with the big Russian N1 rocket is it had tremendous numbers of engines, just like we're talking about with this one on Starship. So let's hope things go better. But maybe you're right. Maybe less motors with more reliability. But we'll have to see what happens, John. That's an interesting story. You know, we move on to the sun again. Last week, we talked a little bit more about the solar cycle, and we talked about that the sunspot cycle 25 will happen earlier. And just to repeat, because it's important, it may peak in the early part of 2024 or maybe the mid part of 2024. But here's some evidence that it's gone off the charts in a way. Just last week, John, we had three geomagnetic storms, level three, So auroras were visible all the way down where I am in Arizona and all the way down to Texas, just indicating that this solar cycle is just so incredible. It began back in December of 2019. But there's another nefarious thing that we really can control that comes not from the sun, but equally important, like an EMP blast, you know, from the sun is a man-made EMP blast. And that's something of another subject for another time. But the sun, of course, has been putting out those for so many billions of years. But here we go. Uh, we always talk, John. Yeah. What somebody was telling me the other day, uh, Steve Cates, was it seems like we're in competition with the Chinese. And yes. uh, that the more electric cars that we have and the Chinese mostly designing them, that one EMP blast can knock out every electric car in the country. Yeah, absolutely, John. You know, we, we, we once had a Tesla you know, in my family, and not that we didn't like the Tesla, it was for different reasons that we sold it, but you're so right. What happens if this massive EMP, not only a blast from the sun, but let's talk about some things around the world, if Russia or China detonated a low atmospheric atomic weapon in the atmosphere, you know, there's many theories, but you're right. These, these devices, including many cars, not just electric cars, our cell phones, the grid, everything like that, and some were even saying, I never like to be negative here on the Cats Roundtable, but some were saying if some blast like that occurred, you could have America or other places around the world in a 365-day you know, blackout. So that in itself is scary. But since we talk about the sun, the sun has the capability of doing things like that, too. So we'll keep an eye on it. But what's really that, That's concerning, is, uh, but uh, thank you for telling much. us. No, it's very much concerning. But we always talk about the mystery of the week. And here's something really literally mind-boggling to open up our minds. Now scientists are saying the universe existed before the Big Bang. Well, many of us thought that that was true. But where's the evidence? What do we need to know? And we're finding out that the, old, the universe is probably older than we thought. But it all started with this tiny, tiny little dot of infinitesimal energy called singularity. And this particular size of this little tiny bit of energy they say was 10 to the negative 25th centimeters in size. Go figure how they can figure that out. That's something off the charts. But we find out that 10 to the negative 30 second seconds, cosmic inflation took place, John, not like we have in the, you know, the world of finance, but cosmic inflation, meaning that the universe started to heat up and start to create galaxies and all the things that we have here. But we're talking about something called space time. And they're saying that it actually existed way before the Big Bang. And it has a lot to do with light. And I know we don't have enough time to go into all these subject matters. But Einstein said this, and it's so interesting. His quote is, the distinction between the past, present, and the future is only an illusion. Know how many times and persistent they may appear. So what we're saying is we really don't know what existed before the Big Bang. But so many of the cosmologists out there say that we might be in a universe, get a load of this, 
that's not a big bang, but a thing called a big bounce, which means that the universe expands, it contracts, it expands and it contracts, and there's probably many in the multiverse. So we might be what? One of many replicant universes and other universes out there. And tell me, John, if that doesn't open up our minds, what do you think we could talk about? Isn't that amazing? On a Sunday morning, i got to go take two aspirins. That's amazing. I tell you, my mind doesn't expand that high to understand that. uh. Well, I'll keep you posted, but we always remind people, the live sky, this week, John, the moon goes new. So if people look out in the early evening by about the 14th into the west, the moon is that beautiful, thin crescent moon. We find out that there's a meteor shower called the Leonids, which peaks on the morning of the 18th in the east just before dawn. What do we remind people always to keep your eyes to the skies? And check us out at WABCRadio.com with the Dr. Sky Experience. John, always a privilege and honor to be with you and the many folks listening around the nation here on the Cats Roundtable. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.